Beep boop. Rebooting the lateral show. A sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen it's, it's the lateral, lateral show. show. Fasten your seatbelts, cause, cause here, here we, we go. go. gentlemen they said it couldn't be done they said it was impossible but the unlikely has occurred it is the lateral show with the lateral duo back in action it's your boy herms on twitter at herms nfl be sure to follow the show on twitter at the lateral ff and i am joined again back from his you know soiree over in the european area mclateral hello i think they refer to it as the european union um <laughs> European area didn't quite make it through committee when they were looking at names. Oh, no. um, what's up, people? Yeats and greets, seasons, yeetings, and it is officially Scott Fishbowl 12 season. We are into our drafts. Um, feeling like it's going a little slower this time around, but maybe I just don't remember properly. Um, but yeah, no, I got uh, married over in Scotland uh, officially, officially. I uh, got the ring and everything. Uh, the other people that got a ring of course while we were out were uh my boys the warriors oh, nba champions <laughs> yet again warriors and six called it right here on this very show uh i couldn't be happier about that as well of course um yeah, yeah man yeah. let's get into it yes let's get right into it especially because you said scott fishbowl it's not going to be the big topic of the show. I mean, I think today what we're going to do is just go back and forth and just try and come up with just like a list of 10 fun things to talk about for draft strategy, just in terms of, you know, how we're viewing different, you know, roster builds or how we're addressing certain team situations. That's kind of just like the rundown for today's show. Just like 10 things we're thinking about as we're getting back into the mindset for mock drafting. And then also Scott Fishbowl. In, in true lateral fashion, we'll, we'll, we'll call it 10-ish, you know. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we have a little less maybe we have a little more goal is going to be probably i think to keep this episode around like an hour in time so you know if we uh we start going long or we start like really getting in the weeds uh you know maybe we'll pull back a little but uh should be a fun show should be nice and loose 100 percent. speaking of things that are nice and loose the Scott Fishbowl drafting environment has been really fun. My, my group chat's been a fun time. I think the draft itself has been pretty fun. But then, like, to your point, you know, there have been some, you know, lulls in terms of some picking. But, you know, we're getting pretty far in our draft. Although I will say, uh, <laughs> picking in the same division as Matthew Berry the day he decides to leave ESPN <laughs> did kind of throw a wrench into it a little bit. But just, you know, quick shout out. Got nothing but love for Matthew Berry. Just good luck on whatever it is you do next. Uh, next, you're a legend. Um, Let's go over our teams. I have mine quickly pulled up. I'll just go boom, boom, boom through it. Talk a little bit about yeah, go it. Go for then, it. Uh, so I'm going bully tight end this year, folks. Uh, that tight end premium, baby, like, yo, I mean, I'm really going for it. And it's a little aggressive, but it hasn't stopped me. My first pick <laughs> was Travis Kelsey. 
my second pick was Mark Andrews. Yes, yeah, I'm really, I'm really going for that. Uh, after that, I took Matt Ryan as the 16th quarterback off the board. He feels pretty safe just in terms of his completion percentage annually. Uh, and then after that, I took a chance on Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think, uh, what, uh, Drew Davenport, I believe. You know, he does a lot of the legal updates on Twitter, you know, for different stuff. It's looking like he might be able to dodge suspension and be able to play the full 2022 season. It's early, but I'm taking the chance that he plays more games than not. Then I get T. Higgins and Deontay Johnson after that, back-to-back in five and six. And then I got A.J. Dillon. That is where my team leaves off. Pretty fun, pretty cool. You know, a lot. It's, it's a lot of risk, but it's bold. But I mean, I think it could pay off. What hey, have not, you got for your? T- oh, yes. Not yes. not too shabby. Um, though I have to say, I saw someone out there in the Twitter sphere that had Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and then Kyle Pitts in round three. So oh, you man. really dropped the ball there. Oh um, no. <laughs> but uh, I did the opposite. I'm going zero tight end. Uh, I have not drafted one yet. I don't know that I'm going to draft one in the seventh round. I might just keep rolling with it. Um, and we're going right. to, I think, get into why uh, later in this episode. But what I did do is I did go with some nice wide receivers. So 106 took my wide receiver one and the wide receiver one in our draft, which was Justin Jefferson. Then 207 got our RB5, my RB2. Najee Harris. Uh, then Tua was QB 16 off the board in our draft. I got him in the third. We definitely had a lot of QBs fly off. At that point, I really feel like I had to like just take a stab at someone with breakout potential. I don't blame uh, so you. So yeah, I you ultimately know. actually passed on Matt Ryan there. I think Matt Ryan is my QB two would have been, you know, something interesting, but as my QB one, I think I wanted something with like a little more upside. Trey Lance had gone right before he was someone I was targeting as well at that spot. Uh, speaking of Trey Lance, the guy he's going to throw the ball to plenty, Debo Samuel, my wide receiver eight in my rankings and the wide receiver eight off the board uh, in our draft at the 406. Then 507, I took famous Jameis, uh, QB 21 in our draft. So again, like lots of QBs flying off the board pretty so quickly many. in this, but you know, him, New Orleans, look pretty good. Adding Chris Olave, adding Jarvis Landry. System's not going to change too much. Like, I think there's actually a lot of potential for Jameis Winston to be a top 12 uh, quarterback. I don't currently have him ranked as such, just because there are guys where the path is a lot easier. Their career has been a lot more stable. They've done it more before. But Jameis Winston, this is a guy who was a top three QB one year, if I remember correctly. Last year in Tampa, he achieved the uh, ever-elusive 30-30. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think he was pretty high up uh, in that one. So he's someone who has actually done it before as well. And last year, he seemed to kind of get that interception uh, thing under control a little. You know, it was promising yeah. to see. So I wanted to take a shot on him rather than having to rely on Zach Wilson, uh, for example, as a QB2 if I had continued Good to punt. <laughs> but luckily... <laughs> I was rewarded because in round six at the 606, I managed to get wide receiver 17 in our draft, but a top 12 guy uh, for me in my rankings, I've got him at wide receiver six, Deontay Johnson. So for me to get three of my top eight wide receivers, I'm feeling pretty good about even though I don't have a tight end. Um, Might take Zach Ertz at 707. Sort of depends on how things shake out. If not, I'm just going to, you know, keep putting away. There's still a couple guys that I like. Uh, so, you know, 
I'm, I'm feeling okay. Feeling good. I can get down with that. You know, we don't have uh, enough. Well, I wouldn't say enough. We don't have a lot of the same overlap that we did last year, but I'm glad we have Deontay Johnson in common. Once again, just like always a very fine decision. Big fan of that guy. Maybe his name will come up in our 10-ish things to think about as we're getting into draft season. Who knows? That's a segue into the segment itself. Yes, back and forth. We're just going to, you know, throw some things at each other and see what ends up happening. I don't know. This will be a really interesting show. Hopefully it helps people out. Uh, do you want to, I don't have a coin that we can flip. Uh, do, how are we going to determine uh, which one of us goes first? I think you should just go first. You're already talking. Seems easy enough. There you go. Okay. So if you go to my Twitter profile, you will see that I had an article that came out recently over at fantasypros.com as part of the uh, series that we are doing, taking a closer look at certain ambiguous position groups and uh, I wrote a pretty cool article breaking down the Broncos wide receivers. Now, I mean, the only reason I'm bringing this up first is not because it's necessarily the most important thing, but A, it's a shameless plug, and B, I already did research for it that I didn't have to do now. So <laughs> we'll just start right there. Uh, kind of the long and short of it is basically, you know, Nathaniel Hackett ran a West Coast offense out in Green Bay those last, you know, few years he was the offensive coordinator there. And the interesting thing is that they ran the 21st, 23rd, and 18th in terms of uh, 11 personnel usage, which is like kind of like a little bit below league average of like 60% of the time. And, uh, you know, for those keeping track at home, uh, 11 personnel, that's when one running back, one tight end are on the field. So that's, you know, that's not a lot of three wide receiver sets. That's a lot of two wide receiver sets. So like just based off of the offense and some of the underlying metrics that I found in terms of, uh, you know, Russell Wilson's, you know, quarterback rating. It, I have this whole tweet. It's in the article. It's, it's a very fun heat map basically of just how successful he is on certain throws based on a dot. He's a carbon copy for, you know, Aaron Rodgers over the last three years. So he walks into an immediately familiar offense. I think it benefits Cortland Sutton the most. I'm a little bit nervous about Jerry Judy, probably because he's going to be playing out of the slot. And in that type of offense, you're going to have to be really, really efficient on all of your targets, or at least the majority of them. And then like, dude, Tim Patrick, like wide receiver 60 and ECR. Like I got to be honest, man, he ran a lot more of his routes on the outside than Judy ever did. Like, I, I don't know. Just so he's, he's Jeff, free money. He's exactly. just free money. It's just sitting there. Yeah. So now that I've got, you know, the shameless plug in my basic rundown of what to do with the Broncos wide receivers, what do you want to do with the Broncos wide receivers in your draft? Well, you know, one of the draft strategies I'm looking at is uh, not taking the Broncos wide receivers at all. Just not going to do it. Uh, So there is, you know, it all depends on like how the board kind of falls out. So for me, um, I do like Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson has a lot of value. I think he is kind of a carbon copy for Aaron Rodgers in that Hackett offense. I I like his value a lot. I think he will be a top 12 QB. So here's my thing, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to pay up for Sutton and Judy. So there actually is a Broncos wide receiver that I might get. So again, if the board is kind of falling my way and I'm thinking that I'm like really going to get a value on one of these guys, particularly if Sutton starts to fall like a home league draft, something like that, he's my wide receiver 21. So I do think he will be a top 24 guy. Jerry Judy, I've just outside of wide receiver 25. I might take a chance on Sutton at that point if he's going to feel like a good value, but like there's a lot of risk involved in those two. 
And what there isn't any risk involved, I have Russell Wilson as my QB 10, by the way. What there isn't any risk involved in is taking Tim Patrick. Oh, yeah. Is <laughs> my wide receiver checks notes 49. And as you said, he's like going around that wide receiver 60 range. Like that's huge value. Like if you're talking about a league where you might be playing for five wide receivers in a lineup, I mean, that is a guy who's going to start for you. Like whether it be in the flex spot or not, like that is a guy who's going to start for you. I think he will be the clear wide receiver three in this offense. A guy he might be a very similar to, not in how he's used in the offense, but in how just his reliability works out. Is the guy have a wide receiver forty eight right ahead of him who's Tyler Boyd? I think Tim Patrick could end up being the Tyler Boyd for that offense, just in the fact that he's going to be an incredibly reliable third option no matter what. And those first two options are going to get a lot of attention. And so even though those guys, Boyd and Patrick, are third options, they will still see work. And so, you know, I really like them. Uh, but Patrick in particular, because I think Boyd, who I have at wide receiver 48, I think you're going to end up probably having to overpay just a little for him, yeah. most likely. Whereas Patrick, I think you're going to be able to get a good value. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I, I pretty much wrote the same thing. And, you know, just some extra food for thought as it relates to Tim Patrick. Uh, you know, I have it pulled up. Uh, it's just their 2021 stats through PFF. Tim Patrick lined up out wide, like on a bunch of snaps, 72.3% uh, of the time to Jerry Judy's 23.2. So, like, when you're playing 11 personnel, like, you're going to want to be the guy out wide if you want to see yeah. the field more. And then also... Tim Patrick, 6'4", 212 pounds. Jerry Judy, 6'1", 194. Who do you trust more to be out there for blocking responsibilities? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, simply seeing the fit. Like, that helps, man. It, just, it really, I, people, you got to be interested in Tim Patrick. And also, like, shout out uh, the football guy's senior writer, also uh, kind of like Broncos whisperer. You know, he's out there. He, you know, covers the Broncos in Denver media. Uh, Cecil Lammy, he's been talking a lot about how Tim Patrick, at least for a little bit, kind of seems to be a little bit ahead of Judy. And then, dude, I don't know. I have some other fun stats about Cortland Sutton that I would like to share, but... By the way, I'm Tim Patrick going. last year with bad quarterback yeah. play, wide receiver 42 weeks 1 through 18 in PPR scoring formats. Like, yeah. it wasn't super flashy, <laughs> but, like, that's still playable in a fair amount of leagues. Yeah. You know, and with a little bit better quarterback play, he could have easily been a top 36 guy. He wasn't even that far off in terms of points per game from the wide receiver 36. It was Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson, 9.9 .9 points per game. Tim Patrick, 9.8, you know, yeah, man. right about there. And plus, I mean, like even before the lateral FF.com, you know, kind of, you know, stopped putting out articles like we wrote about him a ton. OK, we like did. it's well we really established did. in we the like history him. of the lateral, how much we like him. And, you know, I got to say, though, like there's a really fun uh interesting amount of research that i did on Cortland sutton i'm gonna leave that there for now though i'm not gonna talk about it here because i encourage you to go to my twitter profile at herms nfl check the pin tweet i think i have a pretty good case for Cortland sutton but you gotta click on the article and read it if you want to if you want to know more because i'm not going to talk about it because we're moving on to the next thing that you have to ask me or talk to me about i don't know whatever your thing is okay well so we just talked about potentially stacking with some higher powered offenses guys that we might be looking at and so broncos we do expect that to be a decent team we do expect that to be a decent offense you know new coach coming in should be more offensively minded 
Russell Wilson coming in, obvious improvement over Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Yeah. Um, but again, it's going to be tough to figure out who's that wide receiver one in that offense, who's that wide receiver two in that offense. Could the wide receiver two end up being the wide receiver three just because Tim Patrick ends up being even more reliable? And then there's the whole KJ Hamler of it all. There's yeah. the whole fact that they have two potentially serviceable tight ends. You know, they made an effort to go and get a tight end in this draft. You know who you don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff with? Hmm. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. hey The Las Vegas Raiders could end up being a decent team. They got Josh McDaniels, who's certainly offensive-minded. And the way that like the ADP will likely shake out on these guys, mm-hmm. there's a chance that you could acquire anything and everything of value in that Raiders offense. Devontae Adams, you get him round one. Hunter Renfro, you get further down the line. Josh Jacobs, probably around the same time, but you get him, get him around before, round after. In your leagues that aren't super flex leagues, Derek Carr, you're probably not going to have to reach for. So then the magic of it all is figuring out, like, do you want to pay up for Darren Waller? But like, there is a chance that you could get all of those guys onto one fantasy roster and it could turn out pretty good. So I don't know that I will quite go that far, uh, but I honestly wouldn't be shocked if I end up getting a decent amount of Derek Carr. I wouldn't be shocked if I end up doing a decent amount of Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro stacks, mostly because I don't think I'm going to end up paying for Devontae Adams just with how drafts are going to shake out. I think. If I have a pick where I'd want to take a wide receiver, I might have a wide receiver that I could have ranked ahead of him. So yeah. like, for example, sure. you know, am I one six in Scott Fishbowl? I could have taken Devontae Adams there, but I have Justin Jefferson ahead of him. I have a couple guys ahead of him, not a ton, but just a couple. Yeah. And so I'm going to take one of those guys. And then like by round two, you know, maybe he's not there, you know, in regular redraft leagues might not be there. He, you know, it really depends. So I'm not opposed to taking Devontae Adams at all, especially because I think you might even be able to get him at a little bit of a discount now that he's on the Raiders. I'm just not anticipating that the way drafts will shake out that I will get a ton of it. No, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely feel that. And, you know, honestly, if you have any more to say about it, Definitely do so now because I'm you good. just popped a brilliant idea. Because I I already came up with the next thing that I'm going to say because I've been kind of thinking about it for a while, and I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. By all means, I think, and we'll see if you agree with this because this is kind of the you know the premise of you know the third well the second thing I have to talk to you about. Uh, what I don't I'm talking is hard today. The AFC West may in fact be the most valuable for fantasy football this year because, and like I was looking at it. I don't even think that's controversial. I think that is accurate. Oh yeah. But like, especially from the standpoint of like, you know, we see the way that the NFL schedule is constructed every year. You do end your season a lot more with these divisional matchups. Like, yes, half their schedule is going to be against each other. And all of those things are going to be super high scoring affairs. Any combination of those four teams, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs, all going to be high scoring. But like, Everything you're saying about the Raiders pretty fairly applies to the Broncos, a little bit to the Chiefs. Some of the Chargers guys are more expensive because we're a little bit more sure about how that work is going to be spread. The Chargers but- is probably the least ambiguous. There's maybe yeah. a couple value guys like, you know, Isaiah Spiller could end up hitting a little. You know, he For could sure. end up yeah. finally getting that role that we've always expected 
you know, Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly or whoever to get uh, Gerald Everett. You know, they like to use the tight end. They seem to invest a little like he's, again, a value guy that you could like really get. But like we know what Mike Williams is going to cost. We know what Keenan Allen's going to cost. We know what Austin Eckler's going to cost. We know what Justin Herbert's going to cost. So I do agree with you. I don't think there is a ton of mystery there. Yeah, dude. And like because the fantasy football playoffs will intersect with the end of the year divisional matchups. I'm suggesting now to everybody, like beyond the obvious, because we've already established, yes, there's a ton of talent in that division specifically, but just even more, just from a strategy perspective, not that looking ahead at schedules is really something that you should be doing at this point in the year anyway, but this is just an unavoidable fact because they're division matchups. This isn't like a hypothetical thing. And honestly, it's even less about the defense. It's more about all four offenses are good and they will all play each other at the end of the year. So you'll get guaranteed high flying scoring you know, affairs in these. You'd certainly playoffs. expect there to be more high scoring games between those teams than not. For the, sure. The one caveat is they all potentially have decent defenses. I'd say minus the Raiders. And again, the Raiders might end up being decent, but like the Chargers, the talents there, they've just underperformed. The Broncos do not under like we've seen them do well. And then the Chiefs weirdly hang around as like a kind of top 10, top 12 unit every year. Yeah. And then also I, I will. I'm going to come to the defense of the Raiders real quick, because when Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are the ones coming after you, sure, on the end, again, I'm, I don't think it's an awful defense. I just think it'll be clearly the number four defense in that division. It's between them and the Chiefs for Chiefs, me personally, yeah. but but either way, like something that you can look at as actionable now because the schedule, like it's not really good. You know, this is like the one time I've ever thought to myself, wow, I can actually look at the schedule in July and have something good to draw from it. I'm taking as many AFC West players as I possibly can. I think that would be incredibly valuable. I like it. I like I like it a lot. Uh, so, all right. So we got Broncos wide receivers, you know, thinking of who to target there, leaning some Cortland Sutton, but definitely some Tim Patrick. Talked about how, you know, stacking those Raiders guys can be a good move. And then just how the AFC West is valuable as a whole. Totally agree with that. All great points. Um, let's talk about maybe a team that isn't valuable. Ooh. I don't know, with one notable exception, that I will draft anyone from the Chicago Bears this year. Period. The end. And that notable exception is not newly acquired wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Oh, unless damn I'm, it. Unless I'm oh. in the, the <laughs> deepest of leagues because he'll literally be free and there is now a chance he is the wide receiver too on that offense because um, his competition is like Equiminius St. Brown. And like, I'm, I'm all down to hate on Nikhil Harry. As much as a disappointment as Nikhil Harry's been, there's a chance he can still beat out Equiminius St. Brown in a death it's chart. Like, it's like it's, him, it's really not impossible. Yeah, him, Velas Jones, you know, some of them just like, come on. Like it he it's it's an amazing path for him as a reclamation project. Yeah. So the Bears, I like, you know, David Montgomery's fine. He gets some volume, but like it's gonna be a bad offensive line, and he's not a guy like Najee Harris where I'm like, I don't care how bad the offensive line is or like Dalvin cook where it's like, I don't care how bad the offensive line is. They can suck all they want. These guys are still going to get theirs. David Montgomery, maybe not. He's like, just not quite at that talent level. And who knows how Khalil Herbert will get used in this new offense. 
They might not give Montgomery a full bell cow role. Um, and so it's really like Cole Commander bust for me. And there's guys that I like on that team. I like Darnell Mooney. I like Justin Fields. Yeah. I will be very excited to draft them in 2023. I just don't think I'm going to do it this year. I don't blame you. And like, honestly, yeah, if we're just going to pick a team that we're definitely fading like, as th- a whole. Think about it. The One of the lessons we have, like there's a couple things that are like fantasy football mantras. One of them yeah. is like volume is king. The other one is like you want to target good offenses. There's like something that like gets hammered over and over again. And I think we can pretty unambiguously say that the Bears will not be a good offense. Oh, it's, it's going to be violently horrible. Like the optimism that we had for that offensive line last year, just like completely went off the rails due to injury and stuff. And then they had a couple guys retire and then this, you know, and like they did a few interesting things in the draft to like backfill the young talent. But in terms of 2022, it's going to be pretty bad. And like, I'm definitely with you on Cole Komet as a big exception, We've talked about Darnell Moody on the podcast before. I'm starting to sour a little bit just as time goes along and other teams start to have more clarity to make me feel better about other guys. He's falling down a little bit, but I I gotta say, Khalil Herbert is somebody I am going to target on as many of my teams as possible for similar reasons that you talked about with David Montgomery. Like you did kind of throw out the, you know, you dangled the carrot a little bit about how much are they going to divvy it up? I think there's a decent chance they divvy it up a lot more just because like some of the coaching staff coming over, coming from Indianapolis. And then I think the offensive coordinator was part of the green Bay Packers coaching tree or whatever. Like there's, there's not, there's, there's a very realistic chance. Khalil Herbert does just enough and cuts in to not only lower the ceiling of David Montgomery, but have enough of a floor himself to be like a really nice, just like bench piece by week filler guy that you can hold on to for the entire year because I don't know that he'll ever go dormant. So like, that's a thing to think about, but honestly, yeah, that I, them and the giants are probably <laughs> two teams. I'm just looking at and I'm like, uh, uh, no, uh, nah, I think I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, the Giants actually might be worse. I think you're right. I think because like there's a chance I'd take Khalil Herbert, though at his current ADP, he's going around like RB50. So I might want to be done my RB business a little before that, ending it with someone like, you know, um, who am I looking at? So Daryl Williams, I'd have a little bit higher just because I know what Daryl Williams' role is going to be. So like someone like that are going just a little lower and maybe waiting until someone like Tyler Algier, um, who I think might come up a little later, but we'll yeah, get to yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know that I'm personally going to hit a ton of Khalil Herbert, but I like the logic there. I don't disagree with it at all. And then because of Cole Komet, it's like, yeah, wow. Like looking at the Giants, um, I don't think there's a single it's... person on that team I draft at all. Uh... Like, <laughs> it's it's pretty bad <laughs> i would i the only thing i could say is like if someone just fell stupidly far i'd maybe take a chance but like we we're talking about like not something that i'd reasonably expect yeah i mean like honestly for this entire process the only giants player i have thought just even just like an inkling about is Kadarius Tony just because he was so explosive in that tiny sample size that maybe Brian Dable can scheme up an interesting offense for him. But 
again, an inkling of a thought. Like I'm, I'm barely, I'm, I'm barely even considering it. It's they're going to be pretty violently bad. <laughs> yeah. So again, like for me, it'd be something like I've got Kenny Galladay as wide receiver fifty one, and if I'm having him fall to like wide receiver sixty three territory, where it's like him versus Jarvis Landry, like I'll take him over Jarvis Landry, but like I don't expect that to happen personally. I don't expect that to end up like occurring. And weirdly push comes to shove, even though I have Kenny Galladay, like wide receiver 51, I might take someone with higher upside, like a Jalen Tolbert or an Alec Pierce, who even though I have ranked lower, just because they're not going to be the wide receiver ones on their teams, no matter what they do, where Kenny Galladay could be the Giants wide receiver one. Um, You know, they just like the bust factor for all those Giants guys is like so bad. And like, I will, I will say about Galladay specifically, like I, at least while Daniel Jones is the quarterback, I do not think of him as their wide receiver one. I truly don't just because Daniel Jones would have to completely shift his catchable target rate. I now for you dynasty managers out there who are still holding on, like, yeah, the age apex, it's starting to go a little bit in the wrong direction for Galladay. If, they can manage to move on and have somebody inspiring maybe through the draft or free agency or something next year could be something. Plus, I mean, what are you going to get for him? Oh man. If you're you're a dynasty, (laughs) wait for one boom game and then try to ship him for a pick immediately. Yeah. It's like, like, yeah, try and, you know, get somebody to buy into it. Or honestly, you're just waiting anyway, because it makes no sense to move on. But for 2022, it's just like his role in the offense is like, he's incompatible with the guy throwing him the ball. It's just like, that's the only reason I have Tony ranked higher. It's just because like, at the very least, I trust Daniel Jones to deliver him the ball more so than i don't know it's i don't I trust that. any of them i don't trust i, I get that for <laughs> me i think i trust dable to possibly make galladay the prime target in the offense more than tony who continues to potentially be a bit of an off-field distraction you know a bit of a locker room distraction um yeah. you know they're, they're like the signals coming out of the giants camp on tony haven't always been the greatest whereas like at least for galladay like yeah, the off the on field's been awful, but at least it doesn't seem like anyone hates the guy. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. You know what? Does that does me bringing up the Giants count as my thing? No, does, we're we're gonna have it like as a bonus, Jonas. Okay, all right. Because uh, I do have, I do okay, have. We're, the, we're going for ten ish. It's been yeah, 29, yeah. 30 minutes, and we got five things here on the board. Like, I think things are going smooth sailing. One hundred percent. And, you know, so I'm thinking, you know, kind of flipping the script a little bit on the Giants and also kind of giving like my kind of answer to your Raiders thing a little bit. Here's an offense that I think I would like to have as many pieces of as possible. And I say this (laughs) with the understanding that like listeners, I can already hear you screaming through the headphones. No. I am not biased, okay? I have been reading oh the camp reports. God. Hey, stay with me. I have been reading a lot of the camp reports. All right. Honestly, I am thrilled about what the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is going to be able to put together. So, so here's the here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know that this is that controversial. Like, if you tell me Najee Harris is going to be good, I'm going to be like, okay. If you tell me Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are going to perform, I'm like, sure. Friermuth, like, we saw good things. I like... Again, as long as you believe that this team didn't get noticeably worse by losing Ben Roethlisberger, 
I don't know that it's that crazy a thing. I agree. But uh, I would I say think... the one thing I would say you're crazy on is that if the part of the Steelers offense you wanted was Kenny Pickett. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you'd be crazy. But like, I think it's the usual suspects here. And if it's the usual suspects, I can kind of get behind that. I think I could even get behind Mitch Trubisky in a super flex, given that I would have liked that you really punted on your second or third QB and then probably got some value elsewhere. And then it's yeah. okay to take a risk on him. Obviously, in a one QB redraft league, you're, you know, I, I wouldn't touch him. He's, For sure. He can be a waiver wire guy, but like, I don't think this is that crazy a pick. Homerism aside for you. Yeah, and like, you know, and the only reason I bring it up is because of the very thing that you said. Like, there is a sentiment that this team is just headed straight for a disaster. And I don't understand why. Because, and here's something I was I was talking about it with a, a coworker the other day. I remember specifically the last, I want to say maybe four years in the offseason, people would look at the Steelers offense and be like, uh, you know, around this time every year, too, it's just like, oh, you know, it's, you know, we're getting early into the draft process. Man, Ben Roethlisberger is just getting worse. I mean, oh, oh the Steelers are going to take a huge step back. I mean, you know, with him getting older and blah, blah, blah. And then people end up being wrong. More pieces from that offense end up being good, and the offense is just fine. It was <laughs> largely through the narrative, ah, oh, Ben, oh, what are they going to do? Oh, he's getting older. After like four years of this, now that he's finally gone and they bring in a guy with like a higher completion percentage, a higher touchdown rate and more yards per game. We're like, oh, well, this offense sucks because Ben's gone now. That's horrible logic. Why all of a sudden is him being like, it? oh, it's mind numbing. And like, so like I've been reading, I've been putting my athletic subscription to good use. Kenny Pickett running with the third team doing the whole thing. I think a lot of it has to do with like they're paying Mason Rudolph a lot of money this last year. If I think it's his rookie deal, just they're probably going to be forced into having him as the backup anyway, which gives them more time to have, you know, pick it, sit there, develop and learn, which is, as far as fantasy application goes, the reason I bring it up, I think it's a little early, but we have an answer for who the quarterback's going to be because I think it's going to be Mr. Trubisky for the majority of the year. Based off everything I'm reading, at least now we can project an offense with this guy doing the thing. And then also... Or you could have been me and just assumed it wasn't going to be Kenny Pickett anyway because Kenny Pickett <laughs> is not a good quarterback. Oh, it's a, we don't have enough time in the show for that one. But we, like We don't. Yeah, but, but either way, it seems we have that answered. And then also, like... A lot of nice buzz has been coming out around what Pat Fryermuth's been working on. I think there's a decent chance he could continue to see his role expand a little. And then also, like, not for nothing, there's a decent chance they could have George Pickens mix in and out, outside-inside, do a little bit of young Juju Smith-Schuster type stuff for the offense. That could be pretty interesting. It seems, you know, he and Trubisky have been connecting on a lot of, you know, deep bombs and OTAs and stuff. And, like... No matter how you slice it, I think just based off of like all of their ADPs, all of where, you know, they're ranked in the ECR, they're all ranked around such beautiful value. I love it. I love it. And especially the security with uh, that we seemingly have with Mr. Trubisky now. Like to your point about the Superflex thing, this is kind of my plea to Scott Fishball drafters. If you're not super far in your draft and you haven't picked like your third quarterback yet, seriously, please take a chance on this guy. Yeah, it, I think there's worse ideas. 
Yeah, it's not going to go over to Pickett unless they are mathematically out of playoff contention or like Trubisky gets hurt and they have absolutely nothing to play for. Like I, I can pretty confidently say based off of what I've been reading and hearing, it's not going to be Pickett anytime soon. Yeah, I I mean, I he's an incredibly raw prospect. I think they frankly reached. I don't know that he was going to go in that round to any other team. I don't know that he was going to go in the next round to any other team. Nobody had first round grades on like any of these guys. Um, but, you know, this is why they brought in Trubisky. You know, they wanted to have yeah. an option. I think uh, them potentially taking a quarterback in the first round was on the table at the time they decided to make that choice as well. But like, yeah, I mean, if you look at it here, so running back three in PPR format last year, Najee Harris, wide receiver eight for Deontay Johnson and wide receiver 37, uh, but with 11.1 points per game. So ahead of some of the guys in terms of points per game that finished f- higher up than him, including Devonta Smith, 10.9 points per game. We thought all thought Devonta Smith pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Chase Claypool actually had more points per game than him. Um you know, tight end Pat Fryermuth, 9.5 points per game, but tight end 13 in his rookie year and actually had to compete with Ebron a little at the beginning. So those are like, those are pieces you potentially want to have, especially considering you're not like overpaying for them. And then you go, oh, but like surely for an offense of that potency, like the quarterback's got to be decent. Ben Roethlisberger was quarterback 21 with 14.26 points per game wasn't decent he was bad um jimmy garoppolo who everyone loves to hate and thinks is completely washed 15.97 points per game and qb 17 just as a reference point yeah you have to comp some things um yeah so you know i i am with you i think stacking some stillers it's a good move oh man it's it's super flex drafters out there honestly the cheapest most effective stack you can get like mitch trubisky and whoever pretty cool honestly you might be right i think uh this isn't one of mine but on that subject i think one that might be cheaper is the detroit lions oh but i think yes. the issue there is that unless you're in a league like scott fishbowl 12 where like completion percentage really matters Mitch Trubisky's been known to throw the odd uh, interception or errant pass. <laughs> um, you know, I think Jared Goff has some serious caps to his ceiling that Trubisky doesn't quite have. Um, not, ex- not, not saying that Trubisky will all of a sudden be like Mahomes or anything like that, but like we've seen oh, no. Trubisky flirt with top 12 performances before in a way that Goff, other than at like peak performance for the Rams, really didn't. And for Goff, it was honestly more of a consistency thing uh, anyway, rather than a peaks and valleys thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Lions will have Amon Ross St. Brown. They will have TJ Hawkinson. They will have jameson williams and eventually at, least at some point they have deandre swift like there's there's some stackability there there's some value there uh especially if you were doing super flex you know you could take golf as like your qb2 your qb3 stack them with a couple of those guys and produce something pretty interesting um but my thing all right speaking of quarterbacks this might be the year to punt on quarterback oh okay oh tell me more I don't think outside of like the top guy, 
that there isn't a ton of question marks. I like, I don't really have any question marks about Josh Allen. I could find some, sure. But I don't really have any question marks about Josh Allen. I think the offense is going to be basically the same. I don't care that they drafted a running back. They're still going to let Josh Allen run the ball and probably into the end zone. Like, that team is going to be very similar, I think, from last year. Yeah. But everyone else, there's some question marks about. Herbert, like, is he really the second best quarterback in the league from a fantasy perspective? Like, he got kind of a perfect season from Mike Williams as far as health goes. You know, there were still some questionable things about how that team performed in terms of an NFL perspective. Like, you know, the fact that it's like an amazing team, I think is frankly up for debate. It's a borderline playoff team and it could backslide. Patrick Mahomes has the worst weapons he's ever had in his career, basically. Kyler Murray lost one of his top guys. He has second half season issues. His coach, frankly, might not survive the to next season. Lamar Jackson had a down year. We think it's, you know, COVID related stuff, but like, what if it isn't? What if he's regressing? Jalen Hurts, we expect things to improve, but like, you know, there's a reason that this guy, despite being like a Heisman hopeful, you know, fell a little bit in the draft, was drafted to be a backup, you know, still people like don't know if he truly will have the keys to the kingdom, though. I think the questions are also like it goes on and on and on. Like there are questions about every single one of these guys. And so for me, it's just like, why am I going to overpay? Why am I going to draft Justin Herbert at 37 overall? So we're talking like a nearly top three pick. Yeah. I can get Matthew Stafford 78. I can get Aaron Rodgers 93. I can get Derek Carr 104. Kirk Cousins like borderline free yet again. You know, Matt Ryan is going to be on the Colts, who frankly could be a playoff team. They have talent at wide receiver. Oh, yeah. He's gone to a Super Bowl before. He's been like an NFL MVP candidate before. Um, possibly won one. Can't remember. Matt Ryan did have that MVP. Yeah. There we go. He's going at overall 152. He's going as QB 20 right now. Wow. That's fucking wild. <laughs> like Carson Wentz, he's another NFL MVP guy would have last been. year last year yeah, yeah. would have been last year he flirted with top 12 performances and like am i saying that these guys you know are going to put up the same numbers likely as like lamar jackson no though in the case of someone like matthew stafford aaron Rodgers, russell wilson who are all decently cheap aaron Rodgers going at 93 honestly is kind of a bargain at that qb12 spot like yeah, you know, those guys maybe could, but even then, like, you know, someone like Jameis Winston, who we talked about, go to 158 overall. Like, there is just so much depth of talent at the quarterback position. You don't have to reach for it, even in Superflex. You don't yeah. have to reach for it. Like, right now, Trey Lance is going as QB 14. Trey Lance could be a top five QB. He could be this season's Jalen Hurts. The pathway is there and you can get him borderline for free in one QB leagues. I, I just don't think we've ever quite had this level of talent available to us. So, I mean, I think kind of, to, and I, I've noticed a lot of the same things. I think we're approaching the same conclusion through different paths, but you know, shout out JJ Zacharyson and you know, other late round quarterback thing. It's always been 
something at least not always but like at least over the last several years in fantasy it's become a more popular strategy i agree with you from the standpoints of all of that but like my thing would be i trust and this is the list and i mean like really trust for fantasy purposes that list is josh allen justin herbert lamar jackson and jalen hurts once you get past that you mentioned a lot of some of those same names like the kyler murray concerns to confirm patrick mahomes not on that list or did i miss here no, he's he's not he's not in my top five. He's not somebody I'm trusting. He's my QB nine. Like all right, so, all right. So so like like I said, like two different paths, but we're driving to the same point. Like what I, my view of it is more that it's less about certain things being wrong and more about so many teams being quote unquote right that there is a huge just homogenous blob of quarterbacks that are about the same, (laughs) but some are just going higher because of name value. And some of them are going lower because they don't have that kind of, you know, panache and pizzazz to them because of that. There is a huge difference in my mind between the guys that like I listed are very clearly separated above the bunch. And then, like and like I have my tier one. I'm actually you know just through doing this exercise, I'm about to shrink my tier one in my rankings and just make my tier two like fifteen or sixteen quarterbacks. Because honestly, it's such a blob that some of those names you mentioned just absolutely falling out of it are there. You know, Trey Lance, I've I've seen in like underdog ADP, he's up to like QB nine now. If that carries over into, you know, full swing of redraft season, you know, next month I'm gonna feel a little weirder about it. But as things stand that's a fun name. I really like what you said about Matt Ryan. It's part of why I took him in Scott Fishbowl. I wrote about him in an article that I did on Fantasy Pros however long ago. His early season schedule is super easy, and the defenses in that division are very inexperienced. A lot of young players in that. He'll be able to take advantage of that early. And heck, now that Baker Mayfield's found a new home, now this is probably a little bit more of a super flex thing, but like, you know, it's the best quarterback that DJ Moore has ever had. Christian McCaffrey's in that offense. They got some good pieces there. That's not nothing. And then, dude, I mean, it's just, uh, it's such a huge blob now. It's just such a huge blob now. Like, so many different pieces changed throughout the offseason. There are a few offenses that, like, we all really like, but what's the difference between, you know, the third best offense and the sixth best offense in the NFL these days because of how much talent's been cycling around? Screw it. Honestly, like if you take quarterback early this year, unless you're getting Allen Herbert or Hertz, just wait forever. <laughs> just do it. Just I'm even taking what I said about Lamar Jackson out of it. I've removed one name from that list. It is three. <laughs> it is really three. Other than those three, like just wait forever. Last pick. Your, okay, maybe not the last pick of your draft, but like you know what I mean. I'm I'm in full lockstep with you. If you've never done the late quarterback thing before this is the greatest year i can remember to give it a spin for the first time yeah i mean there's there's no reason not to uh okay so let's recap a little here yes Uh, i think we will get to a combined top uh combined 10 things to focus on as draft season it gets into full steam so we have you know looking at those broncos wide receivers to find some value you know really hitting on you know, we like Cortland Sutton, but the value is probably Tim Patrick. 
Um, I also think in that segment, we really hit on the fact that we do like Russell Wilson. We do Mm -hmm. think that's a decent value pick. Again, I think you can still get him in later rounds, probably in redraft the way he's currently going as terms of ADP. It's not a guarantee. He's someone that is more likely to be reached for still. Uh, I think at the moment, the ADP shock is still really Aaron Rodgers uh, going as low as he is. Um, then the Raiders, you know, being able to stack all those guys pretty effectively, pretty cheaply, relatively. And oh. the whole AFC West is valuable. Yeah. Um, don't draft Bears. Don't draft Giants. Stack your Steelers. And then uh, punt on QB. And so that brings us to number eight, which is going to be courtesy of Herms. So what's that going to be? I'm going to go ahead and say uh, another thing we can punt on just to stay on theme a little bit. We were talking about it a little bit before uh, we started recording, and it actually is something we've talked about a lot in the past on this show, but like tight end straight up, like as the early part of redraft season has gone along, our theory that we've been playing around with the entire time this show has been a show, this entire time this podcast has been a podcast, it's coming true, baby. It's really coming true, man. Like, kind of, it's it's similar to quarterback in that it's it's pretty tight knit up top, and then it is outrageously homogenous after that, to the point where it's like, good God, what are we doing, people? Like, just I really, really do not feel comfortable taking a tight end <laughs> at cost, <laughs> any of them. To be perfectly honest, any of them any of them at all it's it's very brutal like dude and, and we talked about some of these names a little bit we we we're both on record about how much we love pat frymouth every mock draft i've done he goes super late you know like dawson knox i'm coming around a little bit i'm beginning to understand that well on the surface level some of his numbers are reminiscent of what robert tunyon put together but a lot of that was actually concentrated in red zone targets which is something that I didn't really uncover until I was later in the process. He's starting. He's interesting. He's a double-digit round guy. I mean, and like that's I, why I've I seen have Dawson fall. Knox ahead of Robert Tunyon, but they're they're both in the teens for me for sure. Yeah. So it's like, dude, and like we mentioned, Cole Komet. You know, like it's, dude. I, God. We like I said, we talk about this all the time. You either go early or you just punt completely. I'm not even sure I want to go early this year just because the running back dead zone has filled up with more value than I thought there would be. Receiver is looking deeper than it has in recent years to the point where I'm really starting to target that. And I'm not sure I want to spend a premium pick on Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts at this point, unless you're in a keeper format and you can keep them at a good relative cost, throw them out there in the pool, see what happens, do your thing. Or if you're just like straight full redraft, don't bother. I don't care. I don't care. I d- give me Cole Komet at the very end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I I couldn't care any less about And I was, I, before I turn it over to you, I do want to quickly throw out just like one name that I heard about. Uh, I listened to Guru in the morning on XM on the way to work. Did very fun thing. Shout out, you know, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports. Uh, they have somebody who uh, from ESPN who covers the Titans. Um, they fairly pointed out that Austin Hooper is like the most like, well, I mean him and Robert Woods, but like he and Robert Woods are like two 
like the two really experienced pass catchers in that offense. And Tannehill has at times in the past, because like the offense didn't really change when Arthur Smith left to go be the head coach in Atlanta. There's actually a decent chance Austin Hooper could be a decent sleeper tight end for you. Like, I don't know, man. Like looking down at some of this stuff in ACR, like, man, screw it. Wait, wait the entire time. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I completely agree. In fact, it was going to be my next one. So uh, I will have to pivot. But like you can even look at a guy like Noah Fant. Noah Fant finished 12th last year in PPR scoring. And he's currently going at tight end 16. And everyone's like, oh, no, Noah Fant. He went to Seattle. His quarterback's going to be Drew Locke. He's going to be surrounded by all these talented wide receivers and some talented running backs. Well, guys, I have news for you. Last year, his quarterback was Drew Locke. He was surrounded by talented wide receivers and some talented. Nothing has changed for Noah Fant but the jersey. He's basically on the same team he was last year. You can get him cheap. That is a guy who has top 12 potential. That is a guy who could be a fantasy starter. And you can get him, you know, really cheap almost free because you know not everyone drafts two tight ends in one qb leagues your typical home league some people only go for one to allow them to stream the position or stuff like that um you know you got options like yeah like we're talking about cole Komet. cole Komet still finished tight end 20 last year it's such a blob outside of like these really top guys and so there's just no reason to reach and the top of the top, like your Mark Andrews, your Travis Kelsey, there are still questions about these guys this year, and I think more so than there ever have been. Yeah. So, you know, you could take a chance on one of those guys, really pay a premium, but it's less likely this year that it pays off than it has been in previous years. Again, I fully expect that if you take Mark Andrews or you take Travis Kelsey, you'll ultimately get a good return on your pick. But... While you're getting the positional advantage, you might be giving up some value by reaching for those guys. Whereas, you know, there are guys that you can just kind of wait on. You really Somebody can. Yeah, you know, man. like Evan Ingram is someone who's had a good season in the past. I still don't think you should draft him, but some people out there might. He's going tight end 22. This was a guy who had like the best rookie season of like any tight end from a fantasy perspective until like Kyle Pitts, you know? Aiden Hurst is on the Bengals where CJ Zoma had a decent enough season that he turned it into a solid contract with the Jets. He's going tight end 25. This is a team that likes to use their tight end. And then Gronk is gone. Like he's not coming back. And you have checks notes, Cade Otten at tight end 33 and Cameron Bray at tight end 23. You could take both and just see what happens and do it with your like 15th and 16th picks at which point you've already shored up all your talent everywhere else across the board in worst case you're just back to streaming tight end like you were planning on anyway it's not that bad it's not the end of the world yeah man and plus like you know and again another thing we've talked about on you know this show in the past Based off of that historical research dive that I did and have, you know, continued to update, like going back to 2016, like it's about on average 
one quarter of the tight ends who finished in the top 12 were picked outside of the top 12. <laughs> like you have a decent chance in your favor of finding one of them. And then yeah, also because cool. it's such a touchdown dependent position and you yeah. can't depend on touchdowns. Exactly. And then also just like quickly to your point about uh, Evan Ingram, just because like, that's the one that like really jumped out to me for as much as we love doing it. Still not doing it. I get it. it neither am I. Collateral <laughs> does not endorse this pick. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like we we've dragged him on this podcast numerous times in the past, and we will continue to do it. But the thing he has going for him, at the very least, uh, the Doug Peterson offense, man, at least the targets will go to him. Whether he catches them is literally and figuratively in his hands. <laughs> I have to say, if you wanted to do another one where you just like kind of take the two tight ends, just see who hits, and then drop the other one, you could take Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram and just see what happens. Screw you it, could. honestly, yes. They're you not going to cost you that much. Um, I okay. love it. I love it. Well, it wouldn't be a the lateral draft strategy show without me telling you that's my ninth thing on this list and my final thing on this list. For the love of God, draft Brandon Cooks. Yes, please. I'm just going to oh, say it God. over and over again. Now, I think some people are starting to listen. His ADP right now for PPR scoring is wide receiver 20. His scoring last year for PPR was wide receiver 20. Now, there were some people in terms of points per game that he would have been a little higher above, but still. And then in my rankings, I currently have him at checks notes. Wide receiver 18. So I'm just a little go. higher than consensus there. So I think people are starting to get it. But the man is a walking thousand yard season. You need to just draft Brandon Cooks. Because honestly, there is no way that Houston team is worse this year than it was last year. It's impossible. It just isn't. I do not see a pathway for that to happen. I really, the way they drafted, you know, potentially, I think, improving their coaching staff a little, though. I do think that uh, their coach last year got a bit of a raw deal. Um, and again, if like Davis Mills is as bad as it gets at quarterback, again, Brandon Cook's still wide receiver 20, even dealing with that. So just please, just just, just draft Brandon Cooks. That's it. It's not that hard, people. Seriously, like, honest, why must we make it so difficult? <laughs> like, it's every year, at least when he's healthy. Pretty much every year of his career, except for the one year he wasn't healthy, it's it's worked. Just oh god, dude, people. I love it. I will always love it. It's a wonderful thing to say. Uh, my last thing that is uh, it so important because you know we we talk about it all the time. It, it's a it's a very common question that comes up in just the world of fantasy football. When's the best time to draft? When uh, when should you? And, and like look, like a lot of people agreed you know, as close to the beginning of the season as possible, because that way, you know, you can make sure all the injuries are out of the way, do the whole thing. But, you like know, if you can do it midday on Thursday before kickoff for week one. That's like, you know, all the power to you. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, like just to make sure, you know, everybody has the same amount of information doing whatever. Like it's in the interest of fairness. I think it's a good thing to do. However. Not every draft is going to happen. Late in August, some of you are going to have to draft a lot sooner. Scott Fishbowl, it intersects with this super well, which is also a beautiful way of being able to tie the bow because I'm bridging the beginning of the episode to the end. See what I did? <laughs> if you are drafting 
earlier in the off season, like like earlier in training camp, doing whatever. Like you have to take your shots now. The earlier you draft, the more that you can't really do the whole ADP thing because average draft position is influenced by the number of drafts that happen. There are players being drafted lower now, being ranked lower now than they will be by the time we get deeper into August. There are some names I want to highlight to you know serve as an example of this. Right now, in my rankings versus ECR in Fantasy Pros, I am 10 spots higher than Brees Hall. Thank I have you. him. I literally, yes. I am looking at East, at the ADP on Fantasy Pros right now. And like, I was thinking like, we do a little honorable mention thing, you know, after you wrap up this point. I was going to talk about some running backs that, you know, are cheap that you should look at because there are some cheap running backs that could really be value. And I literally have my mouse highlighting <laughs> number 23, Brees Hall. Yeah, man. Like, it's just like, like these are the types of things. Like, I, I got a handful more just to really, you know, hammer Please, the point. All like, means. I'm 10 spots higher on Brees Hall at my RB10. Nine spots higher on Travis Etienne at my RB12. Going over to receiver, some guys that I have higher. I have Cortland Sutton at number 11. I am 10 spots higher on him. I got Mike Williams inside my top 12, right up there, seven spots above. Like, there are just some of these names. Oh, actually, one more, because we have talked about this before. Uh, we're both really in on the whole Dalton Schultz thing. I think yeah, we both yeah. have him at tight end four. Like, I it's so. Yeah. So, like, it sounds crazy now. ECR says it's crazy now, but if you play this episode back, because by the time you're hearing this, it is July 14th. If you listen to this episode again on August 14th, just a month later, how much of the shit that I just said is going to sound insane? Because we're going to get the camp reports. We're going to get the hype. We're going to get more going. We're going to see these guys rise, and they're so obviously good now what the hell does it matter? Like, if you're drafting in July, screw what the ADP says. It's like, well, you know, Brace Hall's going in the RB23 range. Why should I reach on him now? Do it because he won't be there later. If you do it now, you're going to be smarter later. If you're drafting early, you have to take those swings. If you're drafting later, then, like, yes, go with what the ADP is because that's like ADP is influenced by the most amount of drafts. That's the most amount of information you can get. But if you're working with incomplete information, you have to make the most educated guesses you possibly can. That is where it's at. Now, maximizing value, it's, it's, it's a matter of doing your own research and drafting early or waiting until the very end and having a lot of, you know, informative uh, information, you know, influence some of that stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a one or the other thing. I would either rather draft super early or, or as late as possible. But if you're drafting earlier, take your swings. Damn it. Do it. All right. I like it. Well, we got to 10. So yeah. uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Again, to recap the list, find some value in the Broncos wide receivers and some value in Russell Wilson. Raiders, a surprisingly stackable offense that you could get every piece to. The mm -hmm. AFC West as a whole is very valuable for fantasy this year. Oh, yeah. Don't draft the Bears. Don't no. draft the Giants. No. Stack those Stillers. Here we go. Pun on QB. Oh, yeah. I coughed at the 48-minute mark. Very good. Pun on tight end. Yes. Draft Brandon Cooks. 
Always and then draft now or draft right before the season to maximize your value. Because either you can bet on your rankings, really get some value in, or you can have all the information humanly possible to make the best and most educated decision. Maybe try and outspart your opponents. Um, so let's maybe get some honorable mention in Herms real quick. You got a minute. What's like the one thing you wish you could have talked about? Oh my gosh. Okay. Look, it's actually come up in a lot of the Scott Fishbowl drafts and it's going to be something that gets really talked about as we head into training camp because there's the report. Oh, Chris Godwin could be ready by week one doing the whole thing. Like, look, I, there's a great article about it on RotoWire. It's behind the paywall. But it's just yet another example of one of the, you know, injury experts, one of the medical experts in the space talking about what happens wide receivers coming back from an ACL year one. It's diminished performance. It just is because of what you're asking your body to do playing the position of wide receiver. It's really tough to come back from. Even if Chris Godwin comes back early, there's not a huge chance he's going to be super effective right away. This take applies to him. It applies to people like Michael Gallup. It applies to you know any receiver that's torn their ACL. So Russell Gage, Jalen Tolbert, some of those guys, look, feel good about it. Because those ACL guys, they're going to go a lot higher than they should. They're probably going to perform at a diminished capacity. Scoop whoever's behind them later, and you're going to feel a lot better about it. Yeah, I would say also, like, honestly, at current ADP, if you want to take a chance on a injured person who could maybe pop off because they're really talented, Jameson Williams is sitting there at wide receiver 61. Yeah. Take him instead of taking Chris Godwin at wide receiver 20. Chris oh, Godwin cool. is better than Jameson Williams, but their chances of performing this year at a similar level are not zero, and you get one significantly cheaper. Return on investment, folks. Yeah. Okay, so mine real quick, speaking of return on investment, there are a lot of cheap running backs out there. Don't overpay for your RB3. Your RB3 this year should not be Nick Chubb. You're like, your RB3 this year should not be J.K. Dobbins. Your RB3 this year should be someone like Ronald Jones, Darren Williams. You know, you can get someone like Ramondre Steven season, who is... Running back 37 right now. So every other team will have already gotten three running backs at that point. Like he's someone who could lead that backfield at a certain point. You can get Alexander Madison cheap. You can get Daryl Henderson Jr. Cheap Damian Pierce. All these guys, Isaiah Spiller. Honestly, you could do it with Devin Singletary. You really could. You could. And then because Devin Singletary may technically lead that backfield. Um, I would say another one to look for is just the Atlanta backfield in general. You know, Tyler Algier, not particularly expensive, RB52. Uh, and then you have um, Damian Williams at RB72. And I get that sleeper designated Cordero Patterson running back. I'm not sure that the Falcons are going to designate Cordero Patterson a running back, especially since we've heard that they're going to use him more as a wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one of those two guys might be the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons. And you can get him for nothing. Brian Robinson Jr., someone that like is genuinely tanking the value of Antonio Gibson. Yeah. I think to a certain point, rightfully so, just sitting there at RB62, Khalil Herbert, who we talked about, RB59. There's just so much value. 
at the running back position. Just don't overpay for your RB3. You don't need to. You you, you absolutely really don't. And look, you don't have to overpay for some fancy subscription to some fancy website with a bunch of charts and numbers and stuff when you could listen to The Lateral Show for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. That's this show. That's what you just heard. On Twitter, at The Lateral FF is where you can find us. I am Herms on Twitter, at Herms NFL. You can find my written work over at Fantasy Pros. Been doing some cool stuff over there lately, and I'm pleased actually uh, to announce. I don't know if I talked about it before. Uh, starting next Monday, I will be uh, doing some uh, training as a customer support agent. I will. Uh, I'm t- I'm scaling back time at my real job to be able to uh, work even deeper in the fantasy football industry. I'm very excited for this opportunity. So. Not only can you find my written work over there, I'll be doing a bunch of stuff over at Fantasy Pros. If you have an issue with the website, there's a decent chance that if you ask for feedback, you'll get it from me. So there you go. That's where you can find me. That's where you can figure sure, out. Sure, that's I'm what doing. Fantasy Pros wants to hear. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just excited about it. This is no, I, th- I think it's a great opportunity for you, and I am positive that you will knock it out of the park. Well, thank you. And speaking of, you know, things that, you know, being knocked out of the park. Mr. Newly Ceremonially Addressed Wedding Man. That was a weird transition. Where can people find you on the internet? What are you up to? Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boy McLateral, a.k.a. McLateral FF on the Twitter, a.k.a. Mac McMillan ATL on the Twitter. You can find most of my work at this point at Tom's Guy because I am now a full-time writer. That is what I do for a living. It just isn't about fantasy football anymore. Um, so if you want all the latest tech stuff, I uh, did a piece on Chromebooks and why you should get them today. Now there were some really good prime deals on that. Uh, so just things of that nature, you know, some newsy stuff as well. When, uh, the FCC came out and was like, Hey, you know, we'd like TikTok to get pulled off the app stores. And then everyone was like, well, you don't regulate the app stores, So that might be a problem. Uh, I'm the guy who writes about stuff like that. So, you know, feel free to check out my Twitter again. That's Mac McMillan ATL. Um, though I do drop some fantasy football specific stuff still at McLateral FF. Um, and you know, I may have some written content coming out fantasy wise later in the season, you know, as we get closer to that kickoff, but really, you know, with the full-time writing gig now, uh, it's tough to do much more than, you know, show up on the podcast every week, which I do love to do. There you go. See, there it is, folks. Everybody out here living their dreams, and you too can live your dreams if you continue to listen to The Lateral Show. We will talk to you at some point in the future. Who knows when? And g- goodbye. But also, just real quick, I got to say, quick TV. Oh, let's win 10 straight. Oh, We're above dude. 500. Honestly, let's go. Yo, see, the interesting thing about what's going on with them right now is that not only could they be buyers at the deadline, but they still have like Grayson Rodriguez and D.O. Hall down in the minors they could call up. They're a, they're a threat. They're we're, a threat, dude. I, I, I like the optimism. We, we're the O's. We're not buying a damn thing. Beep boop. Follow The Lateral on Twitter, at The Lateral FF. Beep boop.